Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Hope you guys had a great 4th of July weekend. But we're back talking some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. If you have any questions or comments, please email us. We want to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call or text to this number, 424-254-9141. Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. We'll read it or play it on the podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, a whole bunch of different ways. The biggest one, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast is our dedicated URL on iTunes. You can pick that up on most any podcasting app, but we're also on SoundCloud and Stitcher Radio and Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio. And if there's one we don't have, email me, let me know, and I'll make sure we get listed on that one as well. Again, our voicemail number, voicemail number is 424 424- 254-9141. Give us a call. Let us know what you're thinking, and we will play it and talk about what you said on the podcast. And we want to talk on the podcast with Coach Harvey Hyde. Been doing this for about 10 years now with the coach. What is up, Coach? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, buddy. I had a great 4th of July. I hope everybody else did, and uh, we're back at it. You are on the road, and uh, I know you have a, a lot to talk about uh, about the uh, recruiting portion uh, later on, but let's get to our show first. Yeah, for sure. I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. You want to see Mike Trout coming back? You want to see the Dodgers making a run? Got some all-stars, Clayton Kershaw just dealing. Um, all kinds of NBA news going on, so if you want future NBA tickets, uh, with all the free agency signing stuff, Lakers drafting, Lonzo Ball, all that kind of fun stuff, uh, you can go to sctickets.com, and they will help you out. They've been helping Coach and, out, and me out for about 10 years now, like we said, we've been doing the podcast. So definitely check them out. They've been great to the show, and hopefully you can uh, give them your business, sctickets.com. And, uh, Coach, I'm glad to hear that you uh, had a great 4th of July. I did as well. Unfortunately, I was traveling. It's kind of feels like today's Wednesday. We didn't do a show Monday because I was up, uh, for the opening, up in Oregon for the opening, uh, with Gerard Martinez, our, uh, recruiting analyst from uscfootball.com. So a lot of stuff up there, you know, busy working all day Monday, wasn't able to do the show. So we thought we'd do one today on Wednesday, but it kind of feels like a second Monday of the week, I guess, because of that holiday on Tuesday. Um, but hopefully you had a, a great fourth coach. I mean, I, I definitely, had fun yesterday, but it was kind of brief. Work, 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 work up until the fourth. Have some fun on that day, and now work, work, work again. <laughs> well, that's the name of the game. Uh, that's what happens in our field. Whether you're a broadcaster, podcaster, you own a website or whatever, uh, coaching, uh, you don't really finish until uh, you think you're done, and you're never done. So you just get ready to go. You could stay in the office all day, and you feel like there's still more to do. But uh, let's get into uh, our show because we've got a lot of listeners out there that want to say hello to them and uh, continue sending those questions in. Yeah, thanks. We really do appreciate all the questions. I mean, getting them every week for different hosts of the show, you know, the different guests that we have on each week, I uh, do appreciate that. 
one of the guests we had on uh, last week was uh, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. And interestingly, interestingly enough, Coach, um, ESPN didn't have a, a deal with the opening this year. They usually were broadcasting some of that stuff on ESPNU. The, they were doing some of the, the stuff on Facebook Live on the openings. So the opening, you know, Nike camps and all that stuff. They had their own Facebook Live broadcast, which they broadcast a bunch of the seven on seven games on Monday. But the NFL Network was actually there broadcasting as well. And our friend, uh, who was on the show, Daniel Jeremiah, was one of the guys there. He interviewed uh, some of the NBA, uh, NFL players that were there, um, like uh, Odell Beckham and, and stuff like that. So uh, those guys were there. He got to talk to them. But he was also gets involved. You know, he follows USC, gets involved following the recruiting stuff, and then was commenting and um, doing the broadcast for the, the competition that was going on there, Coach. But maybe some of the bigger news that came out of there, Sam Darnold, USC's quarterback, was a uh, counselor early on for the Elite 11, and they have like a counselor competition, and there wasn't a lot of details that kind of came out of exactly what was going on, but he ended up winning the competition, and they said he had the, the highest score or whatever recorded, so like a record-setting performance by Sam Darnold there. Um, so another um, friend of the podcast, Paul Meyerberg, who we've had on before, he's a college football writer for USA Today. He kind of tweeted that out there about Sam Darnold's uh, success at that event and it caught wildfire. Everyone was retweeting it and was talking about it. And then Daniel Jeremiah and, and his blog on the NFL on NFL.com, uh, wrote this about Sam Darnold. So I wanted to get your thoughts. He said the talented signal caller was a participant in the elite 11 competition as a high schooler. And he returned this year to visit and work out. There was buzz about Darnold's impressive showing in the quarterback competition in the event. However, uh, when I asked the coaches, staffers, what stood out about Darnold, they each mentioned his humility and willingness to learn. He's always asking questions. He doesn't act like he has all of the answers. I uh, also had several sources close to Darnold tell me they wouldn't be surprised if Darnold played two more seasons at USC. As a redshirt sophomore, he can declare for the draft as early as 2018, meaning this would be could potentially be his final year, even though he would you know, technically have two more to go after that. Um, Coach, kind of get your thoughts on what uh, Daniel Jeremiah had to say about Sam Darnold. Well, uh, I agree with him. I think he's a superstar. You've heard me say that uh, over and over and over. The thing that bothers me the most when I hear comments from uh, podcasts and I hear comments from supposed uh, geniuses uh, talking about his release, not having a good release, or he has a hitch in his release, and this and that. Just leave him alone. Just leave the kid alone. I mean, everybody's trying to change his release and so on. I remember when they used to tell me Randall Cunningham uh, had a slow release. I said, oh, no kidding. He's the most valuable player in the NFL. He's just taller and, and uh, has a longer arm. He'll get it done. Uh, you know, you can overcoach somebody. So that's the thing that bothers me a little bit about all these experts out there that try to tell you about a, a young young athlete who just had one of the greatest years in college football as far as you know, when you look at USC and the quarterbacks that have come out of there. So, I, I, you know, I value everybody's opinion. And like you and I say, everybody has an opinion, and ours is just an opinion. Uh, well, whether he comes back for his or for two years, uh, I wouldn't plan on that. If I was going to say, hey, guys, we're going we're gonna to recruit a quarterback. We've got to have a quarterback because really for that to happen would be a huge surprise. And would it be in the best interest? of Sam Darnold. And would USC 
obviously, but would it be the best interest for him? So you've got to plan as a football coach. You're responsible for the program, and you've got to do what, what's going to happen maybe 90% of the time, and you've got to plan ahead. So obviously, you've got to have a guy to replace Sam Darnold. You've heard me talk about that. No one will replace him. Someone will be playing quarterback, but with the ability and what he's been able to show and what he's accomplished, you're not going to have someone just step in and replace him, but you've got to find a way to win. And uh, I think that's my comment on that. I think that uh, it would be a, a long shot, but if it was ha- happening, uh, it would be absolutely fantastic for the university and for college football. Uh, but uh, right now, I wouldn't go along with that rumor. Yeah, um, for you, Coach, if you if he comes out and does really well individually, but the team maybe loses a couple of games, do you give you give him a better chance to return or not so much? Do you, you think it's more about how the team does and maybe if they make a run at the playoffs, it, it's enough for him to want to leave? Or do you feel like it's really more about his performance and if everyone starts giving him first round, you know, first top five picks as a, as a grade. Well, you look at it this way, you know, uh, if your team goes undefeated or you lose one game or whatever, yeah, you got a better shot at winning the Heisman trophy and all of those things that go along with winning player of the year and, and all of those things. But, uh, I don't think it makes a difference in the NFL draft. You know, they might lose a game or two, but, uh, he might have a tremendous, game and every game and maybe the defense broke down or maybe they uh, lost a game or two not because of him but other people so the value of him is determined on uh, uh, not necessarily on how many games they win but how he performs and how he leads his team and how he matures and is he uh, gaining experience and is he getting better every year or has he reached his potential a lot of kids reach their potential early so You've got to really uh, judge all of that, and in the best interest of the kid, you've got to look at all of that as a parent, and you can't listen to all of the people, the media, me, and others who talk about that. You've got to really know uh, exactly where you are in your life, and you've got to do sometimes things that maybe aren't right for the university, but how can you tell them not to do it? Randall Cunningham did that to me. He came in one day when they started the new USFL, and he came in to me and he said, Coach, I want you to know I'm not going to be coming back next year. And I, you've heard me tell you this story, so I don't want to repeat it. And I told him to go home and think about it. Next day he came back in, and immediately at a staff meeting, you know, I was going to, what are we going to do? Well, I wasn't going to replace, replace Randall Cunningham, but I had to have somebody ready to go. He came in the next day and said he wasn't going to do it. So, uh, you know, uh, and I couldn't blame him with the type of bonuses they were giving and so on. I couldn't have blamed him. So, uh, but uh, it didn't work out that way, and we were very fortunate. And we won most of our games and went to a bowl game and won that, and that's what counts. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I know we kind of put the cart before the horse, and, you know, Sam Darnold's only started uh, 10 games in college, but by the end of this year, if he plays every game, I mean, he'll already have more starts than, than Mark Sanchez did, like his whole career. He only started 16 games at USC. So we will know a lot more. And I think sometimes we get so ahead of the game and, you know, recruiting so big and people want to know about the future. But this is like the time. Like you're living in this great time right now if you're a USC athletics fan 
the basketball team looks to be doing really well. They got Scout has them as the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. All the big names from last year's team are coming back that won a couple games in the tournament. So there's a lot of optimism there. And of course, on the football side, tons of optimism as well. But you do kind of get ahead of the game where you'll talk about Sam Darnold and Heisman or potential playoffs or, um, you know, Sam Darnold leaving early, being the number one pick in the draft, all that kind of stuff. When you actually look at the schedule, I think fans need to, you know, kind of just embrace it like, hey, man, Stanford's coming to the Coliseum. When's the last time USC beat him? You know, lost five or the last six or something like that. How big would that be just to beat Stanford? Like, that's something that feels good. And it's it's funny, you don't see a lot of fans kind of focusing on that. Or, wow, Tom Herman and Texas are coming to the Coliseum. A really talented team last year, and everyone knew whoever took over as coach was going to have a lot of talent. You got a superstar in the making coach and uh, Herman coming in and all that potential there. I mean, there's so much you know, intrigue on the schedule, at each individual game, but people kind of look at the big picture right now. I guess it's just kind of a, a nature of the offseason coach, but really just kind of embracing the season. There should be a lot of great storylines if USC can go along and, and win all these games they should. I agree with you 100%, but if I'm David Shaw, well, who am I saying we got to get ready to play for? We've got to beat USC if we're going to win the conference. We've got to beat USC again. We know how difficult it is. Uh, and if you're Texas, what a way to start your new uh, season or your new uh, head coaching experience and your new tradition at Texas by beating USC. So, you know, everybody's thinking about beating USC. If you look at the odds and all of the games, and we've talked about this before, they're 15.5 point already favored over UCLA. Every game they're favored, they're nine-point favored over Notre Dame. I mean, really? Hey, when you look at all that, man, I'll tell you, that's scary to be a favorite in all of your games because everybody wants to beat and they're tired of hearing about Sam Darnold. And uh, USC is the number one team on their schedule and they pay uh, fans pay more for that ticket at home than any other ticket. And they got to go to Notre Dame. And who knows, Brian Kelly's job might be on the line there. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about. And I don't know why everybody gets so far ahead as far as talking about what round and will he be the first player picked and the Heisman Trophy? And you you got to go along with this because that's what social media is today. That's what it's all about. But you got to stay focused as far as a football player because those same people that are praising you as a football coach or a player or a team can write the same type of articles that make you not as great as you think you might be because you better win your games or all of a sudden people are going to say, well, Clay Helton, uh, uh, it was just uh, luck last year that they won. Sam Darnold won. Uh, really, the, uh, Penn State should have won the Rose Bowl game. But uh, we had a big interception by a kid, and, all, and that was an accident. He threw that pass, pass to Bernard. And, you know, all these things start coming up. So you better just take care of business right now, and that's what I'm worried about the most is taking care of business right now and getting it done. Yeah, I think some of the situations are going to be – um, you know, maybe Stanford's not, yeah, they've been elite almost every year and uh, I thought they'd have a step back, but they came back and played really well. They lost a bunch from last year, but I expect them to be good again. But you know, if USC wins and maybe people are like, ah, Stanford's just not going to be that good this year. Texas, they'll be like, ah, oh, you know, if USC beats Texas, they're young. It's only, you know, Herman's third game or whatever. Um, you know, as a Longhorns head coach, they're kind of like almost no win situations coach where people can kind of, you're expected to win, and, and they might poo-poo these wins. 
But you could see it go the other way where Stanford wins again or Texas wins. And then you're like, okay, well, where did the Trojans stand? What happened there? Why did this go wrong? So it's, it's kind of like they're not going to get a ton of credit to win those games, but you're going to lose a lot, uh, if you lose them. I agree. So you got to take one play at a time and, uh, get it done and don't look past people and, uh, be physical, have the intensity and, uh, treat every game as the biggest game of the year. Yeah. And if you treat them that way, then you count them out at the end. If you look past the team, you're going to get beat. I'm going to tell you, if you look past the team, you're going to get beat. And the most embarrassing thing is to lose to a team you're not supposed to. You've got a lot of challenges in front of you as far as USC is concerned. I heard, and now I don't know if this is true, I haven't read a lot of the uh, preseason publications. I heard one magazine or one poll had USC ranked second in the country behind Alabama. Now, that's really high. I mean, really, I don't think I'd want to start that high if I was USC. Yes, you like to finish that high because you're in the championship game. But uh, right now, I just worry about taking care of business and getting those positions filled, uh, filled uh, that need to be filled, compete, and to get your best players on the field. You always hear about me talking about get your best players on the field. There's a lot of question marks. There really is. So uh, let's go to fall camp and be ready. For sure, yeah. You know, obviously, USC has to start off the season better than it did last year, one and three. Um, you know, a lot of kind of unanswered questions about Clay Hilton, and we'll see how they go. I mean, they're expected to win, keep that winning streak going, and, uh, you know, we expect them to, but that's why you play the games. We just don't know what's going to happen. Um, we had a question from Tarek, coach. He said, it seems that Toa Lobendon is working a lot at tackle in summer workouts. Is that a mistake? Since his natural position is guard and we have a lot of options at tackle. And just to let people know, we've got out there the, the, we've been to four of the workouts and he's worked out mostly at center and tackle. I don't recall seeing him at guard, but I could be mistaken. Uh, I might have missed something there, but, uh, what are your thoughts uh, on that coach? Well, I, you know, I don't know what their thoughts are as far as uh, giving him turns. He's probably going to learn those two as backups. Is he going to get most of his reps in fall camp at the position he's going to play, which I think is going to be left guard. So I think right now the more reps he gets at center and also at tackle, the better uh, he gets experience as far as understanding the blocking rules and right steps and the things that are necessary. This is my opinion. But, of course, uh, Coach Callaway's got his opinion of uh, if he's going to be a tackle or a guard. But I don't think he's going to be a tackle. I think he's uh, with the center fall and him and guard their offensive line and the possibility of their tackles. I mean, uh, they don't need him at a tackle. Now, they may need him at a tackle as a backup if someone gets hurt. But I think they try to give guys a lot of reps as far as in a backup role, as far as getting snaps and getting the snaps back and doing the things that are necessary to start the whole thing. And uh, Because he, he, he knows that everything at guard. He's a great player at guard. So uh, I don't think you take a great player from a position and move him to tackle unless you just don't have anybody. I mean, I wouldn't buy it as a kid, or or I wouldn't weaken myself as a as an offensive line coach. So unless they feel they don't have an offensive tackle out there, hey, he's going to be the left guard, okay? But I'd be telling him take some turns at these other positions, so in case something happens, we'll be just as strong. You know, I agree with you, coach. And, uh, you know, there, this is summer workouts and, you know, some guys are getting some different turns, different spots. I, I feel like what's going to end up happening 
is you always hear like they just want to get the best five guys out there. And there's a few players that you feel are flexible enough that they could move around. And so it'll just be more of a, all right, we feel these five are in the right spot. Maybe we like two of them in the same spot. We obviously can't have that happen. Who do we feel more comfortable moving? Do we want to, you know, if you feel someone's best at one spot and the other guy's just not as different, you know, he's okay at the other spot, maybe you move, you know, there's a lot of options there. My gut feeling though is I agree with you. I think it's going to end up playing guard. The Nico Fala stuff, I, they keep, it, it seems to keep coming up. I just have a hard time picturing anyone else but him, as long as he's healthy, uh, starting at center. Yeah, you can, you know, move some dudes around. You want Lobin on there. You, it's just worked. It's like, that's one of those spots where you feel comfortable. Like, that's working. Why move? Why screw it up? Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but my gut feeling is Nico Fala just stays at center. Oh, I agree. He's one of the most improved players on the offensive line. If you notice last year, the snaps were better. Everything was better as far as that. That's something that they always have problems with. He's improved that. You know, you don't have to be a real uh, great player to play center. You have to be a great technician. You've got to be smart to be able to call the defenses and the strong side of the line and so on. And you've got to be able to, you know, communicate with your offensive linemen. And Nico's done that. Why would you change him when a team wins, what, what they, how many games they win? 11 games, 10 games last year. And and you move someone for a position or he loses his starting position? Are you kidding me? I mean, please, guys, or whoever's thinking this, it isn't going to happen. Uh, at least it wouldn't happen on my team. No. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I, it, it keeps coming up, though, Coach. I guess why we have to kind of. Well, whoever brings it up, tell them to forget it, okay? Yeah. So they have you're uh, overcoaching, you're overthinking, okay? But they've had Fala working at right guard. Um, yeah, that just giving him reps too. Yeah, and and Toa Lo- Lo- he didn't play left right tackle. guard. Are you kidding me? When has he ever played right guard? Never. Yeah, but that and lobendon has been doing. Everybody's yeah. Yeah, has been. I'm sorry. Le- that's okay. He's been lobendon has been doing left tackle and center, um, which is interesting. Like you know, like I said, I don't think he's played guard. At least much, uh, if I, you know, maybe I missed it, but at least the last PRP for sure, those two were switching off at center and then Lobendon would go to left tackle and, uh, Nico at guard. Well, you know, we can uh, overthink it, but guys, I'm telling you right now, you don't <laughs> change your whole offensive line, okay, around just, you know, you just need to fill a hole here and there and you got a great offensive line. You know, a lot of people are talking about, I'd be more concerned about the place kicker, okay? Yeah. Make sure that we can get some points on the board. Then I would be concerned about who's playing tackle or guard. And I, I don't think you, and you know, switching centers when you, your center's still available and your quarterback's the same. Um, that's another thing. If you're changing quarterbacks and maybe you want to change centers, I could see it a little bit more, but just keep the continuity you have with the two guys that are handling the football before every play. No, I agree. You know, those two are going to touch the ball every play. Okay. Not too many people do that. No. <laughs> and if they work well together, you know, I think you don't change something that you don't need to fix. And uh, I've watched him play, and I think a lot of other people have watched him play, and he improves every year. This kid has improved every year. And if he continues to improve the way he has improved, he'll be he'll be an NFL center. And and uh, I'm not telling you he's going to go in the first round, second round, but he'll make a team somewhere because of his consistency. 
and he's a good kid, and he plays his butt off, okay? So that's what I want as far as in the middle of my line. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Eric in Duck Country had a question. Uh, at the recent camps with visiting coaches, so he's talking about the Rising Stars camp where they had a bunch of uh, coaches from other universities, mostly smaller ones, coming to campus to help out. He said, do the coaches sit down and talk strategy and game plan when the players aren't around. Do you think Coach Helton worked with Jim Harbaugh at all? Thanks, as always, Eric and Duck Country. Well, I think you always have a relationship. You might sit down on, we used to do it at uh, dinner tables on napkins and everything else as far as different plays, drawing up blocking schemes and passing routes and defensive things. We did that. We did that. To say that they don't do that, I don't, I don't think that's a true statement. I think they've spent a lot of time talking about their administration and what are you doing here and what are they giving you here and how do you use this and how do you uh, take care of all your recruiting staff, which is 10 or 15 guys now with all different titles. And I think that, you know, they talk about things like that or how did you get this accomplished or what are you making with Nike or what are you making here? Those coaches like to be able to know exactly what back and forth, what's really happening in the world. And, uh, and I think uh, we always shared that with each other. We'd go on trips together. I was on the pony board at that time, and we'd go to different spots, 10, 15 coaches with our wives. We'd go to dinner together, and we'd share a lot of things about our administrators. And Are they for real, or are they uh, phony guys, or the whole thing? Athletic directors, we discussed them, and are, is the door always open, or is the door always closed? And uh, the types of things that coaches want to know. How's the media in your city? How do you handle this? How do you handle that? Who releases uh, the positives and who releases the negatives and how is that handled? And uh, all of those type of things. I think that's as big a coaching clinic as the X and O's are because behind the scenes and during the off season, you have more time during the off season than you'd have during the season. And you talk about all these different type of things that could affect you as far as the your NFL day, uh, all the different things. Well, how do you treat your scouts when they come in? Uh, all, all of these things. I think you have great conversations and all of that. But as far as uh, discussing uh, uh, a lot of things, no, I don't think so. I don't think you give away any secrets whatsoever, but you certainly do uh, discuss certain things that you might have a problem with and say, how would you handle this? I've got this type of situation going on with my AD. How would you handle this? And, uh, you know, he, he, they'll give you their opinion. Now, maybe you won't be able to use their opinion, but at least you hear what, how he would, he would handle it or how he did it. And, or how did you get the extra coach here? Or how do you get, uh, uh how do you handle your, uh, strength and conditioning program? So all these different type of things. How about training table? Uh, how often do you do this? Or how many people do you have working on that? You know, there's so many different things and different things you need to know and changes that are going on. It's really important. And then I'll, I'll just get, I agree with you, coach, and I'll, I'll give you my take on this. I didn't, I haven't asked anyone, any sources around USC specifically what the interaction was like. I can, I can do that when the, most of the guys are on vacation right now, but just seeing being down there for those camps and seeing how things went down, I'll kind of give you my take on things. The camps were enormous. So these were not like the old rising stars camps that were elite. These were, um, you know, 850 kids one time, almost a thousand kids. The other time, and you're talking like a hundred or something coaches, tons of guys. Now, the first Rising Stars camp had Jim Harbaugh, so he was like the name that was there. So there was some celebrity kind of stats around him, and people wanted to get pictures and all this kind of stuff. 
But with that many players and that many coaches, I don't think there was going to be a whole lot of one-on-one between like Clay Helton and individual, you know, the coach from University of San Diego. Like maybe they had some kind of meeting with the whole group of coaches at once, if that was even possible. I doubt that would even happen, but that would be potential. Maybe, a, you know, confrontation with Harbaugh just because it's Harbaugh. I wouldn't think any kind of strategy or anything going on, but a lot of the stuff like what Coach Harvey Hyde said, that's the kind of topics that would probably have been discussed. What really was going on in these camps with the new rules are, and from what my observations were, um, it's an opportunity for these coaches to recruit. And so what USC gets is they get 50 bucks a head for every player that comes. And what do you want to do? Like, yeah, you want people that want to come and, and camp at USC and get coached. But there's a the benefit for a lot of these, you know, lower level kids that came were there was all these other coaches there. So Fresno State could recruit you or like I said, University of San Diego or Colorado State or things like that. There's a bunch of Mountain West schools. There were you know, some lower division schools that those coaches are there to kind of see kids that know, okay, that kid's not getting recruited by USC, but he looks really good. And even some of the film that I took of like some of the wide receivers, they would be guys that have like a Nevada offer and a Washington State. And I, I would give that to Scout and let them use it. The coaches that were there, they're doing the same thing that I was doing. Like, hey, that kid looks good. I filmed him. You look it up. Oh, he's a two-star. He's not, you know, USC's not going to recruit him. They're already pretty full of receivers anyway. But he could play. Like, I, I like the way that guy can play. Someone, he's going to go somewhere, you know. So I think that's the benefit for these coaches. I don't think they came in and were like, I'm here to pick uh, Clay Helton's brain. No, it was more about, I'm here to look and check out some of these kids that are going to be in this showcase. They know what they're looking for, and they kind of get brought in. Jim Harbaugh's there. He's making a presence out of here. He's going to recruit. And for Clay Helton, it's like, okay, you got Harbaugh. That's a, a name that will get more people to my camp. Plus, we can go to Michigan and send some of our coaches there, and you kind of exchange things that way. So it's it's kind of a way, I guess, it, my take on this is how co- the coaches can kind of benefit themselves. A lot of it has to do with recruiting, at least in my opinion. I agree. It's all recruiting. It's all taking a look at talent. The talent is the name of the game. And if I was at Fresno State or Utah or UNLV, I would hope to be invited to be there and evaluate the talent along with uh, my staff or myself individually. It'd be impossible to see everybody, but I try to meet people and let them know who I am. And and if a kid wasn't quite uh, the ability that maybe I might offer him, I might say, hey, you go to community college and uh, play there and mature, and I'll offer you a scholarship. I'll bring you in next year or a different type of things you do dealing, even the big schools do that. Hey, I have nothing to offer you, and uh, my receivers were full at USC, but you're the type of player on a normal year, we'd give you a full scholarship. If you're willing to go to a community college for a semester, we'll bring you in. If you're a qualifier, we'll bring you in. We'll bring you in in the fall, or we'll bring you in in the spring. Just play a year, though, or maybe don't even play a year. Just go and take 11 units, and you hadn't even started college then, and we'll bring you in next year. So there's a lot of that type of stuff that you figure out as far as rather than lose a player, you figure out a way you can get that player down the line. I know I did a lot of that. I did a lot of that. I would place a player at a community college with the understanding with the junior college that I was going to get him back because I placed him there. He isn't going anywhere else. And if that player went somewhere else, uh, we didn't have a good understanding between each other. And he would have to make sure that that player – academically continue to have the type of grades that he needed to. I'm not saying give him grades. I'm saying making sure he's properly counseled so that he can come to USC or UNLV or whatever. 
So there's a lot of those things that happen, uh, wheeling and dealing. Of course, the parents know what you're doing. The kids know what you're doing. There's nothing below board or, you know, secrets uh, unless you're working. You're just working secretly to make sure that this kid knows how much you think about him and you want him to be a, a Trojan or whatever. I think a lot of that can go on, too. And if I was at a smaller school, like an SEIA school, I'd be going crazy. I'd be looking at all the grade points rather than how good they all are to see who I could get in school, and then I'd be looking at the talent. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. That's exactly what's going on uh, there. But we did have, we had a bunch of questions about talking strategy and stuff. It just didn't seem like timing-wise there was going to be a lot to do that. I mean, who knows? Maybe Harbaugh came out early and had dinner with Clay Helton. I, I don't think it happened, but, you know, who knows? Maybe something like that did. Um John and Bray, we got one last one for you, Coach, and we'll let you go. It seems to uh, me that Coach Clay Helton is very aware of the culture of his team and how important that is to a team's success. I do not believe Coach Helton will take a five-star player, Matt Corral, for instance, or a high-level transfer if he doesn't think the player will be a good fit for the team. It seems to make sense, but does this approach concern you at all? Do you think USC has struck the right balance between quote-unquote talent and team with their recruiting? Thanks for getting us through the summer with these podcasts. Fight on, John and Brea. Well, John and Brea, I'll tell you, you always need to have talent, but then again, you always have to have people that fit into your program, your philosophy, and you certainly don't want to bring a a problem into your program. You want to bring somebody in that wants to be there, that fits into your program, that fits into your offense, defense, philosophy, full package. If someone that doesn't, then you're making a big mistake because you're going to lose out in the long run. This kid's going to lose or, or you know, quit or transfer or not be eligible or, or whatever. It's got to be a marriage. You know, you date during recruiting. You date all the time. Like right now, I would think that Max Corral and USCA, they might be dating again. And uh, down the road, they might get engaged, and who knows? Maybe he'll be back as a Trojan. I think you do a lot of that, and then you decide, do I really love this school? Do I really love this kid? And do I love his talents and everything about him, his family? This is very important, uh, you know, too. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, parents can hurt a kid. Sometimes parents are very strong. Sometimes parents want to call you and say, my kid's getting screwed and all this and that. You know, you get tired of that. You really don't want to recruit someone that you're going to have a relationship where someone's going to try to coach your team and tell you who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing. So I used to avoid that too. I didn't really want controversy as far as with parents and and because a kid is going to be with other teammates and, and those parents are going to be with their parents. And then all of a sudden you got five kids that think they're getting screwed. And then all of a sudden you got locker room lawyers and all of the things that go along with it. So you got to be very careful who you allow into your family. And uh, I think that's uh, something that uh, you touch on, John, that's very, very important. And I think you've got to be able to sit down and all, everybody, both families love each other. That's USC and the family of the kids that uh, are coming to USC and understand exactly what it's all about. All right, Coach. Great stuff, and uh, lots of great questions out there, interesting topics. We're getting down there. It's, uh, you know, what, July 5th? we got fall camp coming in a few weeks, which is absolutely crazy. Pac-12 Media Day. 
the countdown is on. There's only uh, two summer workouts left that we'll be able to go to, then uh, get a little break and start up in fall camp. So before we know it, Coach, it's going to be here. It's going to be here, so everybody get ready. Get your beach time in and your beach cabin, or not your beach cabin, your lake cabin, and all the places you love to be, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, Labor Day weekend will be here. It will. Crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, countdown to kickoff is on. Uh, well, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Uh, SCTickets.com, of course, has been helping us out. And I'm Ryan Abraham. You can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.